Welcome to Switcher Chats, music interviews brought to you by Music Matters with Daryl Craig Harris and Music Tribes Unite. Jason Miles, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Hanging yeah, in there. Cold. You're, you're, yeah, you're right. So you're actually in upstate New York, I think, right? I live 15 miles north of New York City. Okay. Well, I'm not, not, not so much upstate. But uh, yeah, I know it's cold on the East Coast. And you, you've got a lot going on. You're, you're in the process of moving to Portugal. You're, you're clearing out your house. Right. You, got a new, you got a new book you just wrote that, that's about to come out. Um, so much going on. And and we should talk a little bit about your history because it's a huge history and, and it kind of plays into the title of your book, which we were just talking about. So right. you you played on all the Luther stuff, Luther Bandros, Miles Davis, well, Whitney. From a certain year. From from, from, from a certain year. And and, sure. and, and, the, and the interesting thing about Luther, well, we can keep on keep on keep bringing the names and everything, but I'll just say about <laughs> yeah, Luther. Yeah, yeah. Now, like you okay. can hear you can hear the paradigm shift in Luther's career when I came there and before that. You know, and that's what's very interesting to me about Luther, even more than Miles, was that, right. was that you know, for Miles to make Tutu, you know, th- that was a, a huge, that was amazing. And, it, you know, set a whole course, but it wasn't like, oh, wow, you know, that's something that's like, my, I could never expect Miles to do that. No, Miles was expected to do that, you know, but Luther to come in with all the synthesizers and the crossover to pop after it was so R&B orientated and, you know, that whole thing, that that was a bigger almost challenge, you know. Right, because you you have an interesting background because you're obviously you're a great world class keyboardist, but you're also producer. And one of the big things you also did with a lot of these artists was programming sounds. Which uh, yeah. back yeah back in that in the day with with when Luther was coming out with the pop records and Whitney and all these mm-hmm. that that was a huge part of the gig, right? Oh, I mean, I think that the that the thing about it is 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 that you know I'm trying to make it so people don't get lost understanding what exactly it was that there was a period of time from probably about 1982 for another 10 years, okay, that, that man, you know, if you were a, 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 a major producer or something like that, you needed a synth guy. You needed to have, a, a, but not a synth guy, you need to have like one of the bad cats with you, you know? Right. And there weren't a lot of us. There, there were guys, they, I always said, there were keyboard guys that had synthesizers, and then there were keyboard guys that also were synthesis. Yeah, because that's that's really that's a good point because, and I've said that before. There's guys that are piano players, and there's guys that are synth guys, but they're not always the same thing, right? Well, right, because you know, like, because you can say like back in the day, like you know, everybody, every everybody wanted a DX7, so all of a sudden they were synthesized uh, until they had to start to program it and figure out what it is, and then right. and, and, and then it all all of a sudden shifted from like, oh, I got this, and like, well, where can I get more sounds from? You know, hmm. and people were always bugging me. You got any new sounds? You got any sounds? I worked for ages on this stuff, man, and I'm going to give you this stuff. I mean, because because you needed a skill. Every synthesizer was different. The concept was the same of synthesis, although right. there were different kinds of additive synthesis, attractive synthesis, and the whole thing is most of the people that were that were the early people started with analog synthesizers. Right. So, this is like pre pre DX seven, right? Right. Pre pre DX seven. Twelve. Right. 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 DX seven. Right. I mean, you know, it was so interesting that the other day we were driving in the car and I heard Space Race by Billy Preston. Yeah, I played with Billy. That, that's a badass record, actually. <laughs> well, it, well, it is, but it just shows you how early it was with the sounds right. and everything. Yep. Very yep. those like, you know, those like kind of cheesy, analog-y 
kind of vibe, but but so much soul he played with it anyway that that, that that's what covered up the you know the 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 cheesiness of it. And that kind of set and that kind of that that tone when you listen to that record, it kind of gives you it's the seventies. It's yeah. like straight yeah. up seventies, right? It is, but you know, but 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 by the time my last gigs were happening, you know, and and, and it kind of set up like this. It wasn't like, oh, what am I going to do? But I had been working all of that time over the years to build myself into like a producer. Like like before nineteen eighty five, I had like you know like a real pop synth rig, you know, doing real pop synth and everything. Jazz also, of course, you know. But but I mean, like I was doing producing some artists, you know, producing various different singers that wanted to try to make a record, that wanted to try to do this, you know. I wasn't in that sure. like spot yet, you know, but as a synthesis, I was in that spot. Right. Because I started from the beginning. So I knew what to do with all that stuff. I had an Oberheim system, you know, with the DMX and the DSX sequencer and the OBH, you know. So I was over my own little one man band back yeah. then. Yeah. That's all you had to, you had to have all that stuff, right? To be, well, you to did be doing what you're doing. The bank, the bank had to be your friend. <laughs> The bank and the credit card. You know, I know because it's like every every uh, every couple of months something new's coming out. And you got you're expected to show up with the new. Well, those days, thing. absolutely. So when it was uh, something new came out, you know. But it was yeah. interesting because you know because I had built like a reputation underneath, like maybe not on the very top, but in the scene in New York, my reputation was starting to like come up. And you know, it was somebody like Michael Brecker that really put me out there. Right. Told a lot of people about me. You know, yeah, yeah, you and you actually arranged for me to talk to Randy, and that was such a you know, such a history lesson because oh, you got you guys all running in those circles back in New York. There's so yeah. much amazing music that came out. Oh, yeah, with the ser- serious circles. When you read Michael's bio, you know, and you read Michael's bio, you see how serious it was, man, that it went beyond music, that it went into like the depth of the darkness of you know what right. a musician is, you know what I mean by you know. No matter how people joke around at everything like that, the drug thing back then was super serious. Right? Yeah, it was absorbing. A lot of guys, a lot of guys, sadly didn't survive that. But I want to get to, um, and and we're gonna because we're gonna circle back here on on that scene. But I want to talk about your book. I want to talk about your book. So tell me about the temp. Give me the title of your book and and what's um, when that's expected to come out and all that that stuff. The book is called "The Extraordinary Journey of Jason Miles: A Musical Biography." And um, what it is, is it's not like, you know, here, here I am. Yes, the, the opening chapter gives you a little bit of background on my life and everything like that, you know? Right. Because you're a Brooklyn and, boy, right? Right, exactly. A, a Brooklyn joy. Well, I have a funny story about that that I can tell you somewhat you know, later if we have time. Uh, you know, but yes, no, I'm a Brooklyn boy, man. I'm like a Brooklyn Jew from the 50s and 60s. <laughs> Which is a uh, you know a whole other kind of scene you know. Hey man, you know what? There's a lot of legendary people that came out of Brooklyn oh, in those, in those well, years. There's so a many, is like freaking like that, you know. And, and the, you know how many of them were in my neighborhood? So many of them were in my neighborhood. Yeah. So you were you were in uh, Bensonhurst, right? I was now I was in Bensonhurst and Canarsie, mm-hmm. and I was born in Red Hook, and uh, it was very interesting and uh, another kind of childhood, but also. I look back and I'll talk about the book and say, I look back and I said, you know, I am still so lucky, man. I was born at the sweet spot. I was right. born at the sweet spot of the baby boom, you know, and, uh, you know, the Beatles and then the, you know, the, the rock Fillmore East and uh, Jimi Hendrix and all that stuff. I was right in the middle of that. At the right age, I got to go to the Catskill Mountains and play music, you know, yep, and, yep. You, know you know, for three for three years. And I had a band and I did this and, you know, I hated school and all this other shit, you know, Vietnam War and everything, you know. So, I mean, yeah. like, we saw a lot of stuff. And, and then to come up through the age where I also hit the sweet spot with the synthesizers, 
Right. There's another thing that was very deep, you know? So anyway, you know, you know so, so the first chapter, I get into that, you know? But then the next chapters are all stories. They're short stories. I don't know how short, but they're stories about the making of Tutu, how we made Power of Love with Luther Vandross, how we did this. And you think, well, what can you say? Well, there's a lot of stories inside of the stories. Yeah, and those are, I mean, and the thing is, too, like you say the names, but like those are legendary records. <laughs> those are amazing records. Right? Well, well, the interesting thing, and I keep on saying this, is like, you know, uh, uh, is like, you know, you, you, you're not in there. And I keep on saying this, you're not in there and you're going, I'm making a legendary record right now. Yeah, because you don't you don't really know what's what's going on. You, right? you, you, you just say, "What are we doing? What are we doing today?" Yeah, I'm not so happy with the kick drum. Let's chase the kick drum on that side. Right. Oh, okay, great. What do we want to do about um, you know that pad over there and everything like like that? You know, what I mean, I like it. Maybe now we listen to I like it a little different. That's what you do when you're making a record, and at the end you're going, "Okay," because you've heard the song 500 times. Yeah, you're kind of sick of it you know, at that I point, right? Oh, a great song you're never sick of. A great right. song. Oh, yeah. you're never and so many right. of them, but the songs that I worked on, I worked on hundreds of times. I listened back to them, hundreds of times listening back to tiny little sections. You know yeah. what I mean? This one, people don't kind of get the way that it, that it was, and that the studio was such an amazing temple back then. Mm. You know, it was. It, yeah. it was like a temple. You know, because yeah, you don't right, and you don't have. I mean, obviously, you, at the back then. Well, I guess Pro Tools was that's even really no. before Pro, Pro Tools. Tools was the late nineties. That's that's yeah, that's years later. So that that was. Yeah, that was like you had to get it right. And if you didn't get oh, yeah. it right, you had to do it again. <laughs> also, thinking synthesizers to synthetic time code, making right. sure that all the tracks lined up right. I mean, if you didn't know that stuff, then you weren't going to make it. So mm-hmm. not only not only do I have to like come up with great sounds for these guys, but we also got to run the whole thing and make sure that everything is, is, is as it works. So, you know, you're going from like thinking on a musical aspect to a technical aspect to a really technical aspect of like how many frames should we offset this? How many bits should I move the background vocals back a little bit on my SBX 80. Right. And they're all, they're all, they're all standing there looking at you. Right. right, right. All, all the time. That was like a thing. So what I do is what I do is that you're in the middle with me of these sessions that I talk about. So when I'm making Tutu and I'm making power of love by Luther and I'm making these albums and Montserrat going to Montserrat, I'm telling you the story of what went on there from a firsthand point of view, which nobody gets. Right. Know, because when you're in there, like, you know, so what's happened? So you have a, Making a, making an album with Luther, okay? You have myself, Marcus Miller, Ray Bardani, and Luther. And then Nat Adderley once in a while coming in, doing his arrangements and everything. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, all the little cast of characters that show up here and there. So what you're basically getting is like, is, is like me telling a story of three other guys with me in a room for four months and right. what's going on. And so nobody knows that. Nobody yeah. knows those stories because they're not around. They're not available. You know, I'm making it available, you know, because I'm telling the story of my life in, in there. So it, it and the journey was extraordinary. Um, the thing is, too, is that if you don't put that down on paper, those stories get lost in time. And oh, like yeah. you said, like there's, there's a lot of the guys, maybe they're not, a lot of them aren't here anymore. So, you know, you're not going to ever hear that story again. Right? No, I'm trying to go and bring people a lot closer to the to the scene. You know, like I said, you know, there was a movie out called 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 Being John Malkovich. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, the movie, they went into a that's a great, that's a great, that's a great trippy film. <laughs> right, right, right. It's, it's, it's Spike, Spike Jones. So you know, so that's a great. You they go into a portal, and all of a sudden they're inside of John Mac, uh, John Malkovich's head, and you're seeing everything that's going on. Think about my book like that. Yeah, that's great. That's, not, a, that's, yeah, that's a great analogy because I was when I was going through it, I'm like, man, you know, these stories are so interesting. 
and it's about albums and artists that we all love and we all know, but we don't oh, know yeah. the back, but we don't know the backstory on that stuff. Oh yeah, and it tells you this. And limitations, man. The one thing that I that that I that I did that people should know is that you're like I let you into me, you know. Mm-hmm. I let you into me. The ups and the downs, right? And what, what I, I and then what I went through. You know, talking about. I started this record, and all of a sudden, you know, um, you know, I, you know, I started this record, and and of course, you know, you're hearing about it. And before you walk in there, there's more anxiety than even when you're in the studio. Because you go, mm-hmm. what about this? What about that? What about this? And then you go in the studio, you go, well, I wonder this. And somebody tells you, oh, well, uh, let's put together a drum set and start like that. And you're like, oh, okay, let's go. And then you're right in there. You think like, that. why was I so, I don't know why I'm worried about this shit. Is what I do. Uh, uh, what's it, what was it like, you know, I mean, you worked with many legendary people. Uh-huh. Who are some of your favorite artists that you worked with and, and the favorite memories with them? I know Miles must be um, well, uh, probably know, Miles, on top of it. Miles was a state of state of mind, though, in a lot of ways, you know, because that relationship turned into something way different than I even thought that it would turn into. Hmm. You know, I mean, I was there working with him, but I had no idea that we were going to grow into really kind of being friends. I mean, real friends. You know what I mean? You know, where he can call on me and lean on me and, you know, we come in and help him and do something, come up to my house, you know. Yet at the same point, you know, showing him that respect without like fawning all over him. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's tricky because you, so some of these Very guys, you, you, yeah. you, you, maybe you idolize them or not idolize yeah. them, but you, you idolize them. Hello. Right. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're in the room and the guys look at you like, okay, deliver. So, <laughs> it's like, so, well, but it's also, you know, but it's also like, you know, here's Kathy and I can tell you many times Kathy and I went over to his house and hung out at his house and Kathy right. would just sit there my miles. You know, I was thinking about, you know, do you need anything at the store or anything? I'm going out. And I'm, oh yeah. Let me kind of get up loaf of French bread and some milk. Can you bring that? Yeah, of course. I'll, I'll see you in a little while. And then we just sit around talking about music, doing stuff. I did a lot of stuff with his, like, you know, uh, I, he got a four channel tape machine so he can come in and work with me and we can put together music in his place that yeah. was not working on the album because the album, he understood what it has to happen. And the album has got to be set up a whole other way, but he was always writing and moving around. And we were always working on something together. And it was just like, you know, that was in a whole other space. And like with Luther, who was like, and even in another place, because, you know, jazz musicians are different than like pop and everything else. Musicians. Yeah, it's a different frame of mind. Yeah, kind right. of. Right. The jazz musician still understands about hanging and you being like, you know, you can sit in a room with Herbie Hancock and you can think like, man, I'm sitting with this guy. He's like my best friend over here. You know, you know, really, you know, because they come from a different humanistic place. But when you get right. somebody in there and you're with like Luther or something like that, that's that's a whole nother level of like on the superstar tip where, you know, yeah, they, it's global and it's big right, and right. It's it, it, it's millions of records, millions of this, you know, and and you're in there, and so you you understand it. You you try to find your space, how you fit in with them, you know what I mean? But and with Luther, you know, like I always knew, like you know, hit him with a good movie, you know what I mean? You know, you know, you know, something that relates to life with him and everything like that. You know, none of these, you know, don't go some stupid questions or shit like that, <clears throat> and sit back and listen. Don't like jump in, you know. You you know you know and and the interesting thing was that, you know, we were friends with a lot of these people, you know, but you understood how close you wanted to get in there. You didn't yeah, want that, to get in there too close. And sometimes management doesn't want you too close because you're well, kind of like, you're kind of like being hired to come in to do the gig. Well, but you know, it's, though, it's a with, tricky, it's a really tricky, but, and I've dealt with that too. It's tricky. Yeah, to say that with Luther though, it wasn't like that. With Luther, it was like a little family for like a awesome. number of years. You know, we definitely were, you know, hey, what's going on? Oh, Sissy Eustace and Lisa Fish is coming today. Oh yeah, man. Lisa, oh, come here, honey. How you doing? You know, I mean, we were a family because we were all part of this huge thing going on. And the right. huge thing going on was that these guys, 
went to play and they were playing Radio City Music Hall, okay? And which Luther could do any day of the week, you know? But he mm-hmm. didn't want that. He wanted Madison Square Garden. Right. He yeah. got into Madison Square Garden. He had a crossover. Mm. And that's what I know that I helped do because I yeah. created something. That album, they give me the reason. When you listen to some of the tunes on that, man, you kind of look like this is some serious cutting edge R&B pop over here that nobody has done before. But you don't realize that because that's just what you're doing, you know? Right. I mean, he had, and he, the thing right. about him too is he just had such an iconic voice. And uh, I mean, uh, uh, and the whole, the whole uh, thing, uh, but I mean, but he came, he came, yeah, it was just, it was a gospel soul sweetness, yeah. right? Oh my God. You know, genius. That, that, that voice was like the voice, you know, coming down from the heavens, you know what I mean? But Luther and the emotion that went into it, man, was nobody saying with that emotion that people actually believed that it was, yeah, yeah it's just like Miles, man. Miles, Miles spoke through the horn, you know? And, uh, right. and and it's just like, you know, in a lot of ways, Luther, Luther went from doing, you know, real R&B, you know, to my baby comes home and, you know, uh, give me the reason, not, not give me the reason, but, you know, that one, never too much. That thing, da, 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 right. you know? yep. That's like real, some R&B vibe and everything. But then when he went and he started doing Give Me the Reason album, just Stop to Love, all of a sudden, man, the whole thing changed and Luther was in a different space now, man. He was cutting edge. Yeah, you know? that ex- and that exploded those albums. I mean, not only oh, that, yeah. but that was also that was also the beginning of the music video thing. So you, he yeah. was like everywhere, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. And believe me, man, you know so much drama. Well, but you know there were other people, Roberta Flack, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know um, Shaka, you know you Shaka Khan, Whitney, David. Yeah, tell me, tell me about Shaka because I, I I was reading about that in the book when she comes in, she's wearing her, her jacket and she's got the whole. T- tell me about meeting her for the first time. You worked with her. Oh, well, well, for the, you know, I didn't work with her for the fir- for the first. Well, the first thing that I ever had with Shaka was working with Spritty Politi. Was when I did, uh, wait, no, it was, well, the, that was the first time I ever worked on something for Shaka. We actually had met Shaka because one night we were up at the studio quad and it's just like one of those like nights where like, for some reason, there's a bunch of us there. Kathy was there. She came into the city. We were a quad student. Lenny's there, Lenny White and, uh, Marcus is there. Somebody else was there and everything like that, you know, uh, Mark Stevens, who was shocked. His brother was there. And all of a sudden, man, you know, we're there. And it was kind of like just, you know, we're doing the music. Yeah, just uh, just a hang. And yeah. well, well, we, we're serious doing the music. But, you know, but right. it's not like, you know, we're in there, man. It's like, oh, my. You know what I mean? But, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. all right, let me try this over here. Now, come on. Let me say, you know, what, so what are you doing later? And everything. Oh, we're doing this. Okay. All right, I got to get back to this. And, you know, it was kind of one of those kind of hangs. And Kathy was reading. Yeah. And next, you know, Shaka walks in. With like a fur coat on, you know what I mean? But like, Shaka, wow, man. Oh my God. Yeah. One of my heroes. Because because those albums and, and especially the I Feel For You album, that album right. was yeah. awesome. You know what that I mean? Was on, that Arif, was on fire. Yeah. Yeah. Arif was one of my big heroes, Arif Martin. And so what happened was that you know she comes in and and, and Marcus just goes, So what do you think? You uh you want to do this? And everything just goes, Yeah, give me a microphone, put up the microphone, you know. So uh, so there was this one called Palm of Your Hand. That's on the Jamaica Boys album, first Jamaica Boys album. Which right, is very I'm going to get, ask you about that too. Yeah, but go ahead. Which is, which is very, very hard to get a hold of, but I still have that album. I even have the cassette of it also. Yeah. And she comes in there, man. She goes in the freaking studio, man. And she not only kills the part without even knowing the freaking song, okay? You know? And then, but then goes in and doubles and triples herself in harmony in like one take. Yeah. Takes perfect. You know what I mean? Like she was just like she had the she had a real she had a real vocal genius to her man. There's no doubt about it. She knew how to get it. And I always said this also, and time proved me right on on the album "The Woman I Am." Um, time proved me right where uh, uh, she sang and, and she sang in a lower register. And I said, 
man, I know Shaka's got that high, but I right. love it when she sings mid voice. Yeah. Because she has a she has a warmth and a soul to her thing. Yes, it's very very unique. Very unique. Absolutely. I don't know where it's really at with her right now because I kind of you know see that she's working and everything that she's after and she has to work. But I don't think that you know she she's at the you know she's not at that place anymore. You know, but we're like it's something that you know she's so on. She's at the place of thinking like she wants to go do the gig, you know, get paid, give the audience the vibe and everything like that. And then because nobody's thinking about you know well I'm looking for the next thing. Like we did in the eighties, you know, right, we, right, we did yeah. the eighties and nineties. When we did that "Woman I Am" album, man, that was some fresh stuff, man. That was so fresh. And, and Marcus, we, I would assume that they with Marcus. Those are the killer tunes. So tell me, so, tell uh, me about, tell me about the Jamaica Boys because that that's a part a part in your book, and that's a legendary group of musicians. So tell well, me how that came, well, how that came, how that came about. Well, do you want to? Uh, you know, we you, you needed a psychiatrist on call twenty four hours. <laughs> When you do that. <laughs> so tell me that story. You know, you know, you know, Mark, Marcus, Marcus was always like, you know, of the most serious musical nature, you know, but a, yeah. a, 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 a great category. Sweetheart. Yeah. Oh, God. I, what a <laughs> band. You know, I give up, you know what I mean? Because everybody's personality was different. But it, no, not like fighting or anything like that. It's yeah. just like, you know, oh my god! You know so who, who all? Who all was in that group? Well, the, it's, well, it's a well, legendary the band list. Lenny and Marcus. The band was Lenny and Marcus and Mark Stevens, who was who was a uh, Luth uh, uh, Shaka's brother. Ah, okay. And uh, and a uh, very very talented guy. And uh, Bernard Wright, mm-hmm. who was keyboard player, another genius. But Bernard couldn't officially be in the band because he, officially name was be in the band because he had a deal with uh, with EMI. Oh, okay. He was like in the band, but he wasn't like officially in the band. He couldn't be in photos and all this other crap like mm-hmm. that, you know, because he was signed to EMI. Right. But, um, you know, so, so what, but, but I mean, like what happened was that, it, you know, like uh, I, I, Michael Brecker had introduced me to Lenny. I mean, I've seen Lenny around New York all the time, but you know, but I mean, like officially, yeah. Le- you know, Lenny White, right? Yeah, officially, you know, one on one, you know? Yeah. Because Michael and I were, we were great friends, you know? And, um, and I was really getting Michael into synthesizers and keyboard and the whole thing, you know, I mean, we had a, very strong, very strong bond at that point. And so I was at a club one night and uh, Mike called me up and wanted to know if I'd come down. It was in summer or early summer, again, the June. I said, sure, man, you know, because he was going to Europe in a few days and let's hang a little bit, you know. And it was amazing just by knowing Mike that he could be in a bar with people there because of just his history, not so much drinking, but the whole, you know, drugs and all this other stuff. And right, so, right. And, but, but, his, but he was so strong at that point, you know, he was so strong. That wasn't happening anymore. That wasn't going to happen. You could have put him in the middle of a, freaking mound of freaking drugs and he would have never done it or anything like that because that was there at that point so you know so we were hanging at this club and i went in there and i heard and i saw michael you know talking to lenny white at the bar and uh and then you know michael's like pointing over there and then i see you know, lenny white comes up to me standing up to me hey man uh, i'm going hey lenny white you know he goes yeah man uh, you know to shake his hand and everything like, well what's up what's me i was wondering who your favorite producer was i go my favorite producer that's easy trevor horn and he it's this look comes over his face like Wow. Okay. Yeah, you, how'd you pull All that right. down? <laughs> All right. You know, we have got to work together because he awesome. was hearing that same stuff that I was hearing, Art of Noise. Right. Yep. Grace Jones, Slave to the Rhythm and all that stuff. You know, but this stuff was like monster stuff, man. And it was cutting edge, definitely. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, ABC, put the poison arrow, you know, well, you know, mm-hmm. all the Fairlight and all those instruments. A lot of that cool shit was coming out of England and Trevor was right there. So we said that. So he said, well, I want to do something together, man. You know, so he said, you know, anytime, man, you know, just give me a shout. But anyway, it was a number of months. And one night he calls me up in January 1985. 
early, early advertising. He goes, hey, man, you're from Marcus. Because Marcus had played on my first album. Oh, okay. You know? And my very first in 1979. So I watched Marcus's ascent all the way up. You know, well, we saw each other in New York. I see him at this club. Hey, what's going on, man? You know, and everything. But we weren't doing anything. And he didn't like kind of relate to realize where, where I was going to. But Lenny told him, you got to use Jason, man. I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. What we're trying to do, man, he's going to be the guy. So we're okay. But that was brought me down to the studio. And uh, I called me, I called up, said, call up Marcus. I called up Marcus. The phone was busy for like five hours. I figured, girlfriend. You know what I mean? So, uh, <laughs> yeah. so what happens is that, uh, so what happens is that we, uh, he calls me up. And so next morning, he calls me at eight o'clock in the morning. I said, Hey man, you talked to Lenny. I go, yeah. He goes, oh, you, you I'll open to Yeah, I'm, I'm open, man. What do you want? He goes, bring out some keyboards, man, to mine out. I go, okay. So I went and, uh, we went to mine out and he started on this new people make the world go round. And, um, and all of a sudden, you know, like I started whipping out some interesting things, my PPG wave point 2.3, with the wave term and the samples and all this other stuff. And they were going, oh, and whoa. Okay. <laughs> all right. I get yeah. it. I get it. You know what I mean? But yeah. Lenny, he's like thrilled. You know what I mean? He's like, the orchestra hit. Bang. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. The orchestra hit. You know what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, you know, that started that long-term relationship because I was able to keep up and, you mm-hmm. know, keep up with what they wanted to do. There wasn't anything that, you know, that, that was, it's always a couple of things, but with what the gear that I had and what's happening, and it kept on progressing to, I added more stuff. I got an emulator too. I, I didn't use the PPG sampler because it was too convoluted. And I got the emulator too. And I started working, we started sampling, doing all of this stuff. And, um, you know, uh, it was in concept that they wanted to create like a sound from the from the neighborhood, Jamaica, that that hybrid kind of reggae. And, uh, yeah, because that's a very big mix, melting pot of of. You know, like you said, like reggae and funk and soul is a really right. interesting mix. Well, well, like when you talk about, um, you know, when you talk about Brooklyn and everything, you can look, look about Jamaica. Yeah, you know, right. The cats right. came out of Jamaica, Queens, man. A lot of cats came out of Jamaica, Queens. So mm-hmm. know, there, was a, there was a real symmetry between like, you know, the neighborhoods and who was there, you know, you know, because when you look at the neighborhoods in Brooklyn and you look at all those people you talk about, we're all from the same basic area. Yeah, that's like a. It's kind of like a big fraternity, right? And not, not only from even from, but even going way back, going back to the '30s with oh, and, yeah. and well, the, the original jazz jazzer guys, they all came right. out of that 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 little right. tiny area. Well, look, it's a lot of the Jewish immigrants, man, that that lived in Manhattan, ended up moving to Brooklyn, you know, to, to, to the suburbs. You know what I mean? You know, back then, you know, it was yeah. a whole different thing, you know. But but the Jamaica boys, you know, Marcus kept on writing what tunes. But one thing about the album that people, you know, that will never will, don't really pick it up is that that album is the story of Marcus meeting his wife. Oh, okay. Brenda, because yeah. they were opposites, way opposites. You know, like he met her on a plane. She won't have nothing to do with him. She's she's well she's a well-schooled woman. Yeah. Working at it, you know, leading up an ad agency. Yeah, she's like, who's, who's this base? Who's this bass player right, guy? <laughs> right, right. And she, she had a she had a fiance already. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. And he was like, man, he drove the ball. I mean, all of this stuff, man, that happened. You know what I mean? So like, I'm, I'm gonna have to ask him about that story. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and, and and you know, and it's and it's like it's a song called "Let Me Hold You Closer." You know, uh, "Let Me Hold You Closer." You know, I want to do out. You know, like you can. That was a beautiful song. And then we did um, uh, this. Other, it's that love and feeling that keeps us together, you know, uh, which was a great, you know, uh, different point of view. Girl, I know nothing's going to change the way I feel for you. You know, this way. how can a girl so steady meet a guy who always changing, you know, but girl, I'm willing and I'm ready. 
You know, I mean, Marcus put that stuff together, man. He was. The thing I like about. I was say, the thing I the thing I like about Marcus, and I've and I've seen him live a bunch of times too. But the thing I like about him is that yeah, he's a bass player, but he's a producer first. And you hear that on his records. You see, you hear that live when you see him. Well, I think you really hear it on the early works from the '80s with those albums. How you know how how the personality came out and with Christmas, we didn't know where anything was going. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But but I know there was a time when some of the artists were asking him if they, if he was bringing me on the date. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because I think you know they wanted the both of us. They wanted that you know? sound. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, you couldn't mistake it, man, because we were freaking ninjas, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> we were, I, we I like, believe, yeah. We were like the ninja production, man. We went in there, man, and like, you know, okay, what do you want to do, man? You know? And the whole thing is, I, you know, to, to, you know, to my credit that I go years ago, I understand where, where things were at. I never pushed myself into anything, man. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, this is where it was at with him, you know, and, and people were like, how did you do that? How did you let him play keyboard points? How? Number one, this is what he does. Number two, I'm getting paid. You don't tell people what you're doing. This is what they want me for. And this is what I'm here for. You know, right. you know, other thing else. And it's giving me also the ability to go into number one, create an incredible Rolodex. Number two, you know, uh, uh, fund all the instruments that I'm freaking getting. You know what I mean? From yeah. all this stuff. And putting my name, as he said, getting your name on as many records as possible, which doesn't exist anymore. Well, and the thing is, too, I mean, and I know, obviously, you know this for so, for so many years, but a lot of times you could be a great player, but that's not necessarily always the thing. A lot of times it's the relationships. Oh, that's that, what that, actually, that's actually more valuable. Yeah, it is. It is because, you know, because you could be in the studio and you could say, hey, I want to get him on, the, on you know, let's get him on the record. I don't want to deal with him, man. You know, oh, he's exactly. so amazing. You know, it's, it's, you, know, it's, you know, he's amazing. Everything. Yeah, but, you know, so-and-so, he's really good, man. He can do the job. You know, I don't need the aggravation. He's a good hang. He's a good hang, right? Right. And so you realize, you know, where you know where things are really at, and that what suits you good about how your how your persona in the studio is, because you're in this little room. We were in this little room, you know, compared to what you know. I mean, not like little room. We were in nice size rooms, but I mean, little compared to what you got to spend 14 hours a day in. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. And so, Uh, go ahead. I was just gonna say. So, what's some of your all the artists that you've worked with? What's some of the the favorite? the favorite memories, like as far as, as far as like the getting the first hits, that kind of thing. Well, you know, some fav some, some memories, man, are like, you know, I really think about a, a few nights that were really very interesting. Uh, no, not interesting, but just like caught me by surprise. I mean, we were in there doing a mandala and working on this tune, Jojo at right track studios with Marcus and Tommy it was me, Marcus and Tommy. That was in the room. Okay. And mm-hmm. hello, one of the story, this is story. Tommy's gone. Mark has probably forgot, and I'm telling you the story, you know? Yeah. Uh, Tommy, Tommy who? Tommy LaPuma. Okay, gotcha. If you don't know, Tommy LaPuma is one of the most famous producers ever. Right, yeah. I learned a lot from him. Oh, my God, that I learned so much from Tommy. I really did. Um, You know, I learned the ins and outs of production, that outside of the music. You know, yeah, because there's a, there's the business side and also just getting all that but stuff also together. Bringing and, the cats in, how to run a session, right? Also, you just can't bring the whole thing is you know, get a young producer. How do you know how to run a session with five other guys? In there, you know what I mean? I mean, come on, they don't teach you that shit at Berkeley. Yeah. So you know, so so I mean, so I'm there. You know, Ben Sidron walks in the room, who's one of my who's, who's one of my favorite artists, and I met Ben for the first time. And Ben was sitting. We were working on this tune, Jojo. And we were coming back and we were playing and everything like that, you know, and we were in the middle of it, man. With, you know, we were in the middle of it, you know. 
And, you know, Marcus and I, how we're working together and how we're doing it, finding the right combination so that one part doesn't intertwine with that part. Because when you have synthesizers, everything can kind of sound the same after a while. How yeah, what I did, every part had a different character to it that fit right into the song. Because yeah. I understood what was, what was what was expected of the music on it, not just yeah. the sound, but oh, that part up there, that's a complementary part of it. And I don't need to make that thing so thick. I should just like ease up and uh, maybe just create it and then give it to the engineer and have him do it. And then you hear it, it's like, wow. Anyway, yeah, you're, you're thinking like an arranger, not only right, just right, a player. Right, right. right, exactly. Ben Sidron was there and, he's, and he goes, I got to say something. What? He goes, you know, man, this stuff sounds great, but Jason, you know, you're freaking amazing, man. The stuff you're coming up with is like, wow, I'm knocked out, man. And Tommy was sitting there like, wow. And he goes, and, 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 and then Tommy's like jokes around going, Ben, stop it. Because I know he's going to hit me up for more cash. You know? exactly. but, so we start laughing and everything. You're like, you're like, like, like no. no. <laughs> and and they goes, no, I'm not joking around. This stuff is phenomenal, man. You guys are just, the, the song is great. The, you guys are fantastic. It really boosted me. So, so we got out of the studio that night about 2.30, 2.30 even, you know. And so I was down by right track and everything. And I was walking to the corner to get a, um, you know, to get a cab. Because I stayed in a hotel all the time in New York during the '80s into the '90s and everything. I stayed in a hotel in New York a lot. Uh, the, okay. Excelsior, the Excelsior on 81st off of Columbus Avenue. Right, it was yeah. really cheap. It was it was clean, cheap, and um, you know it gave me access to the train right over there. I could take it right down to any studio, and I didn't yeah. have to drive home every night. You know, which yeah. was. You know, it was just driving home every night. Yeah, because you go into a session, you go into sessions like that, and you don't know if it's going to be right. eight hours, if it's going to be right. fifteen exactly. hours. <laughs> exactly. and, and, and that's interesting, also. You know, so you know, so I, I walk down the steps, and all of a sudden, you know, like I hear somebody, you know, by the corner, hey, Jason, hey, man, Jason, hey, you know, come in. It was Tommy, and he had a car, you know, waiting for me. He goes, "Where are you going, man? Come on, get in. I'll take you. I'll take you back." You know, and Ben was there, and Tommy was there. And Tommy was like, you know, man, okay, you know, I, we, I know Jason's good, but, you know, hearing Ben say that stuff, man, you know, it was like, yeah. really cool. And then one night, Marcus and I were working on this gritty politi tune uh, awesome. uh, for, you know, for, uh, for Luther called Comeback. Luther meets gritty politi, you know, called Comeback. And it was so scritty, it was ridiculous. But we wanted to try to Lutherize it more, you know what I mean? But so we're, <laughs> so, so we're in there and, we're, and we're, we're, we're working. And then there were the times when we were doing stuff like that. And just, uh, you know, Marcus would say, hey, man, uh, let's work fast. I don't go, let's go. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, let's work fast, you know, because there were parts there and everything. And we just had to make parts. You didn't have to think about the part or invent the part. When it came down to that, the thing moved slower, without a doubt. But when we knew the parts that had to be laid down, we were always like, you know, moving it and everything. Like that. So all of a sudden we're doing that. And the next thing you know, Russ Teitelman walks in the room, Okay. And uh, and remember, doesn't a Russ Titleman? He's a major, major producer who produced Stevie Winwood back in the highlight. Yeah, that's some that's some amazing stuff. Oh yeah, so Russ, yeah. Russ with Ricky Lee Jones. I mean, Russ, Russ was mm -hmm. one of those guys. Russ was also on Shinding back in the sixties. You know? <laughs> yeah, fun. He was like one of those early cats, and he walks in, and so Russ is sitting there, and he's not sitting there. The Marcus and I go in, and we're moving through long, and we have to come back in the engineer, moving this, doing that, we're killing a rate, and, and Russ just looks and goes, "You guys are too." Too much, man. I never seen shit like this go down. I'm going, why? What's happening? You guys <laughs> got killed. You guys just killing it, man. I'm going, wow. Well, thanks. You know, no, Jason, man. Wow, this stuff sounds phenomenal. You know. So then, you know, Russ calls me for a date and do to do Miriam Makiba. Oh, okay, yeah. And so I'm on Miriam Makiba's album with you, Masakela, and everything. That was mm -hmm. that was a very good uh, uh, 
that was a very good validation album. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm with freaking Miriam McKeeba, man. That's some like world shit now. You know what you I know, mean? That, that comes back to the whole thing about the relationship thing, because like, you know, yeah. again, like you could be the most, and I always tell this to kids, you know, that are young players. I'm like, you can be a great player, but get your game together as far as being able to build relationships and, oh, yeah. and, and be able to make that because that's what's going to keep you working, right? As a, as a musician. Well, you know, like it, it's like, it's like also, you know, uh, uh, well, I want to talk about the book also. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, I know. That's, that's where we're getting there. Yeah. I need to sell the shit, man. Exactly. Sell. You know what? Because it's like Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. <laughs> Always be closing. Right. You know? I know. I know. But let me just, you know, you know, yeah, just say, you know that like, you know, uh, uh, you know, you go and, uh, you know, you put yourself in this thing, man. And the best thing you can do is just just pay attention. Pay attention and don't think that like, you know, you're the most important thing out there. Because I always said this and some of the people that gave me my books, because I was very fortunate. I know some good people and I've given the book now to some very top writers. And I said, could you read it? And could you tell me? And if you like it, give me a quote. And they all came back to me saying, Jason, your book is great. They said, your book is really great. Yeah, you've got a lot of very major endorsements already and it hasn't yeah. even hit yeah. the streets yet, really. You know, and, and so, you know, so, okay. You know, you know that, and everything, and everything. You know, so oh uh, wait, that's that's a big deal. <laughs> well, well, it, it it was a big deal, you know. But what you yeah. see is is that there were the relationships. You know what I mean? But that yep. felt good enough. And over the years, I proved myself enough musically to be able to go and to reach out to these people and say, well, it's not going to be embarrassing for me to read this book and see what's happening and give him my opinion because he knows. And you know what? Some people came back to me, man. They read it and said, you know, one of my one of the Jeff Tamarkin, who, who's my editor. He came back and said, you've got to change that and change that. I'm going, look, man, I put it out there. You're the editor. Okay. I'm the artist. You're the producer. Okay. Now put it together the way that it's, it's I put it together the way that I think, but I understand where you're coming from. And he totally tightened the whole thing up, man. Made it awesome. read, reading just like a real read down and everything like that. Because mm-hmm. you know, that's what's happening. You know, you get what you pay for all the way down the line. You know, you know, all these people think that I can do this. I can do this. You can't. You go to an expert. I keep on saying that. And it's always good to have an extra set of uh, an extra set of eyes, an extra right. set of ears, right? Right. So you know, so going to these and getting this and everything is like you know, it's uh, it, it was just way beyond what I you know what I what I thought. But you know, I look back and I keep on saying, you know, it, the word is extraordinary. I mean, you know, I keep on saying this, you know, that I, I, I the, you know, the night that I was in the studio and um, and we working with Shaka Khan, and the next you know, Mark uh, Miles calls and wants me to come over to his house. And as I'm walking over to his house, you know, I'm saying to myself, this is just something that's not really believable in the real world. That Yeah, you, know, you, kind, okay. you kind of have it. You have right. these dreams in your, the back of your head. Right. But then when they're actually right. happening, you're right. like, how does this happen? I'm, like <laughs> I'm at the power station yeah. working with Marcus Miller and Shaka Khan. I'm going over to Miles Davis's house right now. And he wants me to play me some stuff. I mean, this is the normal stuff, man. And if you think that like this happens every day, it doesn't. And I say that to myself all the time because, you know, one night, uh, one, one night, this was 1989, and uh, I was in the studio. Man, I just did a run that was, the money was, as they say, P-H-A-T, fat. Because I started, I started it basically in June, the run, you know, and, and, and the run didn't end until the uh, vacation and Christmas, Christmas vacation, you know, oh. with, some, with some breaks. So, you know, Kathy was always telling me, well, we got, you know, this came in today, and we got that amount of money today. I'm going, wow. So, we had a couple of big checks and I just finished like a week with the Crusaders and another five days with Miles. And before that was Whitney, before that was Lisa Fisher. 
Then I did the Jamaica Boy second album before that. You know, then we had done Here and Now, uh, yeah. in, the, in, in the Here and Now, and we did that and everything. So all the stuff was like going down. And I went out that night, man, and took Kathy out, and we went down to Soho to eat. We're walking by the store. We went in the store, man. We saw like, gorgeous leather jackets, man. But they were for women, you know, gorgeous, man. But Russ just tries it out. Like, wow, you look great in there. You know, how much is it? A guy told me, well, let's get, buy it. You know, grab, buy yeah. it. Let's buy it. Like, Are you kidding me? Yeah, buy it. Let, let, let's go. I think it was like 1500 bucks or something like, like that, right. you know? And so the next thing, you know, she, you know, she looks, you know, she looks at this other jacket. It's like totally different. That jacket really looks like that. So she tries on the jacket and it's like, oh my God, that looks great. You know, how much is that one? Uh, that's an Armani and that's like 1250 or something like that. And I go, okay, we'll take that one also. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, you know, we went out the night between dinner and everything like that. You know, we spent probably about like 3,500 bucks. Never did that before in my entire freaking life because it's a, but musical instruments don't count. You know what All I right. mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That doesn't count. That does not count. That's your job. You know what I mean? But, and, and, and I said to myself when I did this, he goes, you're, it's cool you did this, man, but you know, it's not like this all the time. So enjoy it right now because the shit could end fast and everything like that. And what it is, she still has the jackets, by the way, because it was so freaking great. You know, yeah, that's great memories, right? But that's not us. We never acted like that. And one of the reasons why yeah. we're able to, you know, do what we do is, is because we've lived modestly, you know, mm. you know, like to say, in, in, like in LA, if you can afford a $250,000 house, you buy a $500,000. Exactly. And right. Like, well, with us, if we can afford, you know, like a three hundred thousand dollar house, we bought a two hundred thousand dollar house. You know what the thing is, as a musician, like you said, you never know, and it and it and, and it's it's good to just when you when you're not working, you don't have to stress as much, <laughs> you know, or, or when you're not as busy. I just think you're you're always working. And it always happens to everybody because you're never going to be busy all the time. But there was a time <laughs> in my career where I was, thinking, am I ever not going to have a time when I'm not working? This is like just I'm working all the time, you yeah. know, but oh, good stuff. Not like because I didn't want to, I didn't take crappy stuff. And when I take crappy stuff, I was like, you know, one time at the end of this Luther album, these guys wanted me to work with them and they were okay, but they had no idea what was going on. I wasn't enjoying your work. And I told them, if you want to work with me, unless you really know what's happening with your software program and your Macintosh and everything, I, mean, I don't want to work because too many times it's glitching and glibbing and everything, you know, like that's going to drive you, drive you nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm not going to sit here trying to sync up a, 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 a opcode uh, vision with Simpy, you right, know, because right, right. the fucking pain in the ass. So yeah. I'd like to use the MPC because I know that we can go and I could sync that in a second. It's going to work. Because that was a big thing. That was a big. That could kill a session. You know what I mean? That could that could kill a whole freaking album of, right. of nobody knowing how to really get that that all those stuff locked up together and everything. Trust yeah, me. and you and you and you still hear hear those that were done back then that were, were not quite exactly right. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. Please, um, oh well, well, you know. So we, we, we won't we won't name names. Yeah, yeah. So you know, so I so I, I did the session. After two days, I was in the room with these guys, and it went, and I did it because I said if I do these two days with these guys, I'm gonna be able to have enough money, you know, enough money, so I don't have to worry about the money I just made on this Luther album. I can put that away, and now I can take this money. And Kathy and I can go out to the spa in Long Island we want to go to for a week and just spend that money. And so I did it. <laughs> yeah. But man, those were two long freaking days, man. Yeah, that sometimes some, sometimes it's like being a plumber. You just come in and do the gig and leave. Right, right. right. Well, you can't do that, man, because people don't <laughs> They were paying know, me the money that they were paying me. You know, right. I, I had to do this, but still it was hard working with people that didn't really know what was going on. Yeah. And, you know, and I was like used to working with people that knew what was going on. 
but you know, but, but, but you know, here we are, you know, like, and, and I'm saying, but everything we're talking about now is like, you're being in my book with me because I'm giving you insight into just, you know, how it was. And like, look, man, I talked about, uh, you know, the, the, a mandala and, you know, how deep that was working on a record for a, a year and a half, starting, stopping, starting, stopping, starting, stopping, you right. know, working yeah. on two records at the same time with Marcus and shock at this power station and Creed Taylor in another room. And just seeing like the huge disparity with like together, not together, together, <laughs> not together. You know what I mean? You know, and, uh, and, that, those are those are really exciting. Like that that frame and those years that that year we're doing Luther and doing all those things. Like uh-huh. there was so much amazing stuff happening. Well, there musically. was. Well, there was, and the whole thing is as crazy as it was. You know, I, I always said, man, and, and don't get me wrong, what I say this, we like owned New York. You know what I mean? The studio cats. You know, and I never considered myself like a studio guy because I did like albums and projects. I wanted to make records, man. And I did jingles and everything that, but there were guys yeah. that did just nothing but jingles and occasional album date and stuff like that. Well, those are the guys that are making the fat pensions right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, they got this, all the uh, session money. The, the, right. The, the, right. So, how, so how smart was I? You know what I mean? But <laughs> except, except that it's given, me, it's given me the credibility at this age that I need or that one needs to, to know that like the work was done. There's nothing for me to prove. I'm just going to right. continue to make great music, which I'm still you doing. Can, great you, you can paint. You can paint a house, or you can paint a Picasso. And exactly. I think I'd rather I'd rather paint the Picasso. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And that's what I think we did a lot of times. I think we painted some real artworks with like with like uh, music. And this is what happened. Sure. You know? and, and the and, and the reality is, you know, like I have to tell you, you know, for me to go and to do this. I mean, first of all, it took a long time to write this thing. Okay, and there was a, a lot of it got got really spurred by the pandemic. Because, yeah. you know, because I'm home, everything I did got canceled, no tours within, for my new album that came out, nothing yeah. going on with this. I made this album with Rebecca Angel. That was a great album that came that was out. Great. You know, yeah. you know? And, and so it's okay, okay. So that's okay. But, you know, this was something. And I was saying, if I'm going to do this, I'm committing all the way. And the way that I have to commit all the way is I have to do a good release on it. I have to have a good package. There'll be some amazing photos in it. I have to, got to get the right company that's going to help me self-publish it because I tried the publisher thing. And it's too, it's hard. You got to get an agent. They don't even want to talk to you. So how you do, how, go, and you got to give away all your, all your rights and all your money. Right. So I'd rather go and see and try to raise a few dollars from people and not tell them, well, I need the money. Just no, you're going to get the book and you're giving me the opportunity to go and to raise the level of how I'm getting the book out there and what the quality is going to be of the actual product. But let's face it. A lot of people are going to read this thing on Kindle and on stuff like that, hopefully a lot of people, but with, with, with so far is like surprising me, very much surprising me about the disparity between how many people are doing pre-sales on Kindle compared to wanting the hard copy. And there's not, it just, there's not even a comparison. People want Jason, how, how can, um, we should talk about how people can help support you and your, and your release. Okay. So how, how can, how can they do that? Okay. Well, I have, uh, uh, you know, on my Facebook page and, um, on my Facebook page, and uh, um, on my band page and everything like that. And uh, so you, you sign up I'm, I'm, on, my, on my website. There's links there to Sonically. So if you, okay. go to, if, if you go to Sonically, okay, which is S-O-N-I-C-L-Y dot com, and you can go and my campaign is over there, Jason Miles, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's Sonically, S-O-N-I-C-L-Y dot com. You can do it directly there. And basically what I'm doing, I'll tell people right now, I'm doing $25 for the Kindle, $35 for the book. And I'll I'll tell you something else that's going to catch you by surprise. $50 for the book autographed, okay? $250 
for uh, for the book, you know, autograph book. And um, I go and I give you a 90 minute master class. That's awesome. Do. And yeah. then a thousand dollars. You come up to my house and we, my wife and I take you to Storm King Art Center, the 500 acre sculpture park. We take you around the park for the afternoon and then we take you to our one of our favorite restaurants for lunch. Oh, awesome. And then for five thousand dollars, I come to your house and I play a concert for you and fifteen friends, and I give everybody books and you know, and that's so yeah. any of you rich hedge fund guys out there, I right <laughs> get, get that get that crypto I'll fly out there to Bel Air, I'll come to Bel Air, I'll play at your house in Bel Air, and I do my one man show for them. So I'm basically right. doing my book as a one man show. And that's yeah. part of the thing also that I've turned the book into a one man show. That I want to yeah, do. I, think, I think that's that's a great idea. But here's the bonus, okay? And I'm doing this also. Here's the bonus. The bonus is that with the book, you get a, the digital download of my new album. Uh, awesome. I mean, included of solo piano and trios. Great. That I've never done before. So that it comes with the book. You automatically get that when you have the book. Because that's I think great. that how can you write a book as a musician and not give music with it? And that's what I wanted to do. Yeah, it's, so, it's your, it's your, it's basically uh, all the songs you played on. It's the soundtrack of your life. It's, uh, it's well, it all ties together. It is, it is, yeah. and you know, it goes back, it goes back so far back with the influences. And then even when we go into the '90s, and I started to produce stuff and everything, it even goes, you know, as, as when I had to make the break, not had to make the break, but there was time to make the break because I kept on saying, you know, it had to happen at some point because I couldn't give them any more than I already gave them. I made all the stuff. I gave it to Miles. I gave it to Marcus. I gave it to Luther. Roberta, Shaka, with all those people, man, Al Jarreau, you know, Sanborn, you know, I gave them everything. I didn't know there was anything. And now I had to go and find my way as a producer and start right from scratch. I told some people that I had to start from scratch again because, well, you were great in the studio, but I know you're a producer. Yeah, it's a different, it's a different thing where they're going to give you a budget. (laughs) But I learned a lot and and a couple of people gave me some breaks and everything like that, you know, that I was really appreciative. They're smaller, it's the build to the bigger ones. And when the bigger one happened, I was totally ready because I knew how to make the records. I knew how to control the budgets. And I knew how to do this stuff because and I was there. You knew, so, who to, you knew who to call, right, right to play on right, records. And right, that. exactly. And so, you know, the reality is, is, is that, you know, so now we get into it. And I tell also the stories about making the Yvonne Linz album, how hard that was. It took me eight years to get that off the ground, you know, and, and about what it was like going to record companies, getting turned down all the time, you know. Then also I talk about Global Noise, my band Global Noise. But with that, I, I tell the story, everybody else talk about it. We were on the road for freaking one time for six weeks doing like, you know, 25 day, 25 shows in 27 days. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but I tell the story of doing that and what that was like, you know, and then I tell yeah, the story that, of my that's, latest. That's uh, tough. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then I tell the story of my latest project kind of new about that one, which is a very deep story, man. The story goes through a lot of emotions and it shows you some severe ups and downs and what can happen to you in this business and how people are in this business. You know, not everybody, man. The whole thing is when somebody wants something from you, they're going to be the nicest thing they could possibly be, you know. Anybody? But eventually, they're going to reveal themselves who they really are. It happens, you know. And one of the things that I learned about, you know, that I put out there in this book is that you know you might have disagreement with somebody. You might have something where you, where something happened, and all of a sudden, boom, you know, you're not talking and everything like that, you know. And what you have to realize is that is it a bridge I want to burn, or do I just chill over there for a minute, just let it go. We'll see what happens down the road. You know what I mean? And you have to make the distinction of who is worth it to be in your life. 
And also, too, that sometimes it's just a lot of pressure, and, oh, and yeah. people have people handle that pressure in different ways. And some yes. people, some people get stressed. Some people just fall into the groove. It just yeah, but, but you know, but but I'm even talking about like you know all different kinds of situations where like you know one guy who was a great friend, you know, he's doing this big show with me, okay, and all of a sudden like that, okay, that that's really great. And then like ten days before the show, which I put together, taking like two months with different artists and all those other things, like, uh. I can't do the gig. I got to go to England, man. I got this thing that's happened and I turned up and I'm turning. And I, 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 I didn't do the gig. He's not doing it. Go, what? Come on, man. You can't do this. I, I really need you, man. No, but, you know, but what, but what, what should have happened was him saying to me, I can't do the gig. And I'm really sorry. And don't get mad, but I got somebody. Yeah, you know, exactly. want to do this. Who I have a sub man. He's going to be great. You know him. But like, oh, okay. All right. You know, you deal with it. When somebody just leaves you high and dry. You know, yeah. you see that. And you got to decide, man, well, like, what is it? Where is it? So I let two years go by. You know what I mean? And then because he's a great musician, great musician. And I said, I want to I want to work with him, man. I love him. He's great. He just says, pulled some freaking bullshit. You know what I mean? But and so I called him up and said, hey, I got this happening, man. You know, you're the guy that's going to play this. But you got to, I mean, are you, what's going to happen? Are you going to pull this stuff on me and everything? No, no, man, I'm not going to pull this. You sure? You know, no, I'm not going to pull this. And, you know, it's there. So, Grafus, you, you will need to go back. And, right. you know, re- and, and revisit stuff, you know, because you do have a feeling for the person, you know, but, but then there's the other side when there are the people in this business that have been just so evil and nasty and ego driven and everything that, you know, and they bring you in with them and they do this. And then all of a sudden, man, they'll cut the cord on you in a second and just like destroy shit on you. You know, but, and that's the people that you have to realize are the real toxic ones. And no matter what they have going on, it's not worth being around them. Well, it's that's the thing. Yeah, you have to you have to figure out if the if the price is worth the hassle. <laughs> exactly. You know, that, like, that's like, how that's how that's how life is. <laughs> you know, there'd be there there would be like sometimes when I when I would be in the studio, you know, and I don't know why, but sometimes assistant engineers gave me a really hard time on stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, but it happened a few times, you know. What I mean, but and it came back and Marcus and I would talk and everything, and I'd say to Marcus, look, man. I, this is, you know, I, you know, look what we got going on here, man. And this is really great. I don't want to lose this. I would think, well, why are you going to lose it? The only way you're going to lose it is if you screw up a record or something. You know what I mean? But yeah. just, be, just be aware of what's going on with some of these people here, man. You know, that they're looking at it in a certain way and everything like that. I'm going, I, I, I get it. So the whole thing, you're looking at yourself, well, you know, I work so hard on everything, man, because I, I didn't want to even anything about that. I wanted people to go, wow. Whoa! Oh God, that's fantastic. This is, that's the reaction like, I wanted to get. Yeah, and you're 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 proud of what you do, and you want to do a good right. job. And that's, but that's exactly. also too. That's why you've done as so much that you've done and played on all the records is because well, they knew that you were going to deliver. Right. Somebody that I didn't work with before ever. I just had them on a gig in Florida. My first gig was like 18, 16 months ago, and I played at the Clearwater Jazz Holiday, hmm. and um, we did to Grover with Love, my project for Grover Washington Jr. And we had, we had eight thousand people there. And these two people that I never worked with before, uh, really worked with, I know them, of course, but we never played play before them. And they came up to me after the gig and he goes, I love working with you, Jason. Man, you just take care of everything and you make it so seamless working for people and you pay people decently, man. You know, you're such a good band leader and everything. I go, well, thank you. It's so nice. No, I'm telling you. And you start to look and you go, well, you kind of see over the years who all these people have worked with, you know? And you kind of hear people that have come up to me a lot of times and said to me, I don't understand it. Why? Why you don't have like some big ego or anything like that? I'm going. Why, why do I need a big ego for? Well, man, you can't believe some people like like that or the way they are. Goes, you know, man, I'm fortunate. Quincy Jones said that when you're standing on the bandstand, 
if there's five people in the audience, it's still a privilege to play music, man. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. And I and, and so that's how I view it. So if I'm walking in that studio and I know what's happening, I know there's probably 50 guys that want to have my gig. I ain't going to let them have that. I'm sorry. Man. Yep. You ain't going to have this, man, because I'm working too hard. And it's like one time we were doing this record and I write about it in the book. I was doing Shaka Khan, the woman I am. We're working on a song called Everything Changes. And we're in the studio. And um, I remember Marcus saying, you know, the, well, I'm going to put the tower, tower power. I think we should do the horns and everything. Like that. Let's do some horns and front men so I can do the horn part. And I said, all right, let's see what happens, man. Because, you know, and, and I'm sorry I said this because I love the, I love the band. They're great guys. I love I'm big tower. I love tower power. And I just said, fuck tower power, man. I'm going to freaking kill this shit, man. I'm going to pull these freaking horns down, man. Watch, you know. And I really had like the juice going because I didn't want to hear somebody saying they were going to replace my stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what? You never want that. <laughs> even, even in the best intentions. No matter, I mean? but, no matter, but no matter who it is, it's like, hey, I did that. Don't take my stuff. Away. You know what I mean? So, so I went there, man, and I got down on these horn parts. On everything changes. So on the woman I am, and it's uh, it's Shaka Khan, the woman I am album. The song's called Everything Changes. In the beginning, the horns are awesome, man. And I worked really hard on that. And I'll never forget hearing him in the studio talking to his project coordinator, going, "Don't call Tower Power." Don't don't go. Don't you didn't do that. You know, Jay, man, he nailed this stuff, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I'm, gonna, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna check that out now. That's you mentioned. Yeah. Well, you know what I'm gonna do. Also, here's what I'm gonna do. When the when the book actually comes out, I'm gonna create playlists on Spotify. Yeah, you should absolutely. And I'm gonna create them of the music that's in the book. So I'm gonna almost make it like right. the soundtrack to the book. Is, yep. is is on Spotify and Apple. And here are some of the songs I'm talking about. So you. That's can a great idea, happen. Jason. That's you know, a great idea. Yep. So I'm going to have, well, can I tell you something? I give credit. It wasn't my idea. Okay. <laughs> but, well, yeah, but I, I think that's great. And I also too, it's important for people to know what you played on because as a session guy, as you know, or, you know, even a producer, a lot of times the names kind of don't get the, the, the sort of the credit due. Oh, um, yeah. and, look, at and the, that, look at the wrecking crew. Come on. There's man. so many. Yeah. There's so many. Crew and, and, and in the, the Memphis, you know, the American music rhythm section, you know, right. Dax guys got a name because they were Booker T and the MGs. You know what I mean? Right, like, exactly. So they yeah. came out like that. You know what I'm saying? And also yeah. multiracial band and stuff like that. You know, yeah. exactly. but all these other guys, man, the Wrecking Crew, nobody knew who they were, man. Yeah, and I think I think it's great to educate. It's great to educate people. Like, Funk hey, Brothers, this is, this is, yep. you know? I mean, you know, who knows who Bob Babbitt was? You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, yeah. like Jameson, you know, guys like that, you know? Right, exactly. So, 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 I mean, like, so I'm trying to, you know, open up people's minds with this book, you know, showing them exactly what was going on here and how just the road was to get to the place and everything like that, you know? And to think like, well, after this, I actually survived. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you got, and, and not only survived, but thrived and also have amazing stories. Well, I'll tell you something. I, you know, I'll just remember one night, you know, because I tell this to Kathy, we were doing Power of Love and uh, we were doing the song Power of Love. And we recut that song six times hmm. because, you know, you didn't have pro tools where you can move shit around or change the tempos or all this yep. stuff. You know, you had to get it. And we were changing it. No more of the end. What are this? We're working on the Sony digital machine. And I was so fried, man, that I was so fried that at the end, I, I called I, Kathy. I was talking to her one night. I said, Kathy, I'm telling you, man, if I die tonight, just have somebody pack my shit up and send my, don't even come out here. Just send my shit back to New York, you know? I am so <laughs> yeah. out right now, you know? And, yeah. uh, you know, and it was, it was a stress. That was some, that was some stress, but you know what? The night before the break for Christmas, when we sat in the studio, you know, putting together like a couple of rough mixes and Kathy came in to help me pack up all my gear that night. Cause it was late. 
You know what I mean? And, and, and you know, I couldn't get somebody over there. Because it's LA. I should, I should say, Kathy's your wife. Just Kathy's my wife. Right yeah, Kathy my, we just celebrated 52 years together. The other yeah, day. that's awesome. Thank you. And what happened was that she came in and we, so we're sitting down right behind the board. All of us and the lights were down with Luther and Ray and Marcus and my, me and Kathy. And we're sitting there. We're playing Power of Love back. And at the end, we all, we all like totally distant. Give a look to each other. And we're like, holy shit. This freaking song is a smash, man. Yeah, yeah. Holy mackerel, you know what I mean? And so it was always beautiful to work on something that you knew was going to be big if it was just done the right way. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, that the thing is that those are just legendary songs. I mean, legendary artists, legendary musicians, the whole thing. That's just a magic. That's a magic thing that you know that doesn't happen that often. No, no, no. <laughs> but the whole thing is, the whole thing is that's why Luther paid everybody so well because you yeah. know when we were in Montserrat, he you know he brought everybody to Montserrat. Because the cats you looked around and goes, no, let's freaking cats. We're with this. Cats are out here, man. You know what I mean? But, and, and, and you look, well, why did he do this? Why did he let our wives come down? Because he didn't want to be in New York cutting tracks and everybody on the phone every five minutes. Like, when is that gig and everything? When is that? Exactly. Yeah, you're exactly. With yeah. You're with me. You know what yep. This is what's happening. You want to be here? We're making this album here. We were hanging out at Air Studios in Montserrat for two weeks. You know what I mean? Yeah. And everything. But then whenever he needed us, we're on call there, whether in the swimming pool or not. You know what I mean? You know, yeah, I got called out of the pool a couple of times too. I'll tell you that. You know, I mean, where else could you hang with Luther wearing his Johnny Versace Cabana outfit? Hey, there you go. That, that, those are those are priceless memories, anyways. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, man. Thank you so much for joining me. Like I, I you know, we we done we've done this before, and but yeah. every time you you have so many stories that we could do like five of these and still not still not uh, cover everything. <laughs> but, but you know, but 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 you know, I, I really do want people to support this and and really to help because you know, if you help, it just means that there's more coming, and, right. and when there's and when there's more coming, to be honest with you, I'm a person that gives others opportunity. So if I do well on this. Other people, and you get to spread the money around. We get to do this, you know, because I, I just want to say, you know, that when people don't realize this, man, that the music business used to be the ultimate trickle down economy. You know, if anybody wanted to go and show people what trickle down was, it wasn't like giving the rich people the money and thinking that they're going to spend it on the way down, and you and McDonald's was going to wind up with it at the end. You know, exactly. It was. Yeah. It was always like the record company gave you a big budget. Okay, then the artists got the money, managers, band. Well, musicians right below that, studios, engineer, assistant engineer, restaurants that gave you food, you know, every place, the pressing plant, the tape guys, the this, the rental company, everybody was getting money passed all the way from the top down from where it was coming from. Then what happens? Then you go out on tour and, oh, the tour was happening and the bus driver and this, and all from making this album, all from making an album for a company that you hated, but that funded you, Okay. So, you know, you have to watch out what you do. And now what do they have? Now we have nothing, really. In a lot of ways, we have really nothing. We don't have the support. What is the future for somebody young? I'm trying to raise it. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm trying to be somebody that in the future, uh, as I turn 70, and Herbie Hancock says, stop counting, and I will. I'm trying to, you know. <laughs> um, you know, but, you know, stop, you know, stop, stop counting. Um, yeah. You know, and, and what happens? You know, we have to look to it. How are we going to make it? So we're going to be able to get that same level of talent which I don't think we have now. We have brilliant people out there playing. We have guys that can play rings around me. There's no doubt about it, man. But what are they playing? They're not playing that, that, that this, this heart and soul. You know what I mean? They didn't understand how to get there, you know? And, and we understood how to get there because we lived through so much and so much music. 
that's why I keep on telling everybody's talking about like, you know, believe a second. Thank you for indulging me at the end. By the way. No, it's all good. Yeah, you, know, good. Say, you know, say that. Have you seen the Beatles documentary on Disney? Yeah. Plus? yeah, yeah. I mean, but there's people that are putting that thing down. And I'm saying to myself, are you, excuse me, myself, are you out of your fucking mind? You're watching these guys go through their creative process in the studio for yep. the better or for the worse or whatever. You see every minute that they're, they're thinking about what's happening. And that little part over there, you know, you're not even looking about that in the thing. In three hours, you saw them write half of Abbey Road in the freaking studio. Yeah, and, you know and they wrote songs that, cha- that changed the world. <laughs> right, exactly. And then all of a sudden, you're talking about this. They didn't even play together for three years, and they go upstairs and they play that shit on the roof like that? What are you, freaking crazy? You're putting that thing down? Well, you got a chance to be inside the middle of genius. And that's and that, right over there, I'll leave you with this, that's what the sessions were back then that you were in the middle of, that I was in the middle of, that I saw. I was right in the middle of the creative process of putting together very serious albums that still last and that still have made it. And that's how I made albums, albums that would last. And that's my story, you know? It's a big story. story. You know what I mean? Buy, you know, look, you'll be able to buy the book also when it comes out. But you would help right now if you contributed to the pre-sale. The money's not that expensive. Do I have to get, get in my hands and he's in pr- please send me money. <laughs> That's all good. Hey, you know what? We're, we're gonna we're gonna include your links in the video and uh, in the podcast episode. And, you know what? Definitely. what? What I'll do, I will send you the link to the uh, to the fund to the uh, to the fundraiser. Okay. Yeah, please, please do. Absolutely. Well, I will. Of course, I am. What are you kidding me? That goes <laughs> That's why. By I'm the way, have I sent you my link yet? But you should be tired of hearing from me. All right, stop it already. I'll buy the goddamn book. You know what I mean? <laughs> Hey man, you know what? It, it's what the thing is that that we all have to support each other. We were talking oh, about that before we started. It's important for musicians and for people that love music to support what you love because if you don't support it, it's going to go away. You know? you know how many GoFundMe pages have come my way that I that have looked and you know and, and you know what, man? Every one of them, man, that came that meant something to me and everything. You know, even the ones that I looked that didn't, I've given money to to support whatever needed to be supported. Yeah, you know? it was only one time. That, that, that I looked at, these people got caught on scamming. And it was an artist, too. So I was like, whoa. But yeah. you know, people that I've seen that have been struggling with this, if somebody wanted to fund the project, I've done that, man. You know, and you think that hopefully you get it back. But you know what? People will always disappoint you, and you have to look past that and everything. You yeah, know? you got it. It's just important to support the arts and support what we do. Like I said, if we want if we want young artists to have a place to go, then it's yeah. important. that That's where this all starts. And if you got to right. get the stories out there. They have to right. learn from, from people like you well, that have done it. So. Well, just to also share how my brain works, you know, first of all, we didn't talk about, you know, moving to Portugal. Yes, and moving to Portugal. We loved it there. And we went to Europe, took Kathy to Paris, London, Brussels, you know, sort of the real verve de joie, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, but, but we love we loved, we loved Portugal. But guess what happened to Portugal? I discovered a young singer in Portugal, you know, mm. by accident. She, I mean, I'm walking all of a sudden, it's like, you can't stop. Okay, well, listen to this, you know. She was a piano player. And she was playing in the hotel that I was staying at at seven o'clock in the morning when she was when breakfast was served. And I looked at her and said, there's something here, man. And now she's going to sing this song that on my Brazilian album. She's Portuguese. She's going to sing this awesome. song, Brazilian album we're working on, this Marcos Valley song. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, uh, you never know what happens. And that's, you know, you got to keep the radar up, man. And that's what it is. So, that, so that's yeah. my, so that's the drag. As much as I want to be away, you know, just when you think I'm getting away, they pull me back in. You know, <laughs> well, it's, 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 it's in your it's in your soul. So, it hey, man, is, man, thank you so thank much. You, thank you thank so you. much, man. I'll send you everything. And uh, 
I appreciate the time. I, I really do. And I like oh, talking people that I like talking people that the thing about you is that you have a, a real vibe about understanding how to bring people in on it. That that that's a talent. Well, I appreciate that. And I, I you know, and, and I'm, I'm blessed to have people like you, our friend Nigel connecting us. Nigel's great. Yeah. And you, you've helped me connect with Randy and, and yeah. some other folks. And, and yeah. I, it's very, it's very, it's all mutual. I'm very appreciative. No problem. And that's what you're supposed to do. Help each Absolutely. other. Absolutely. That's right. how it is, man. Hey, have a great day. Uh, give your, give your wife a hug for me. And hopefully right, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll, maybe I'll hook up with you in Portugal once you guys get over there. <laughs> oh, Kathy said, Kathy said you did a great job. She's sitting here listening to the whole thing. Oh, awesome. Okay. Trust me, she's going to say some stuff to me when this is over. Like, How do you say this? Yeah, she said I both did a great job. Well, all right. You know, but we're, we're, we're fresh off the glow of our 52nd anniversary. So that's awesome, man. Give it a few hours. Yeah, that's all good. All right. All right man. Man. Have, you guys you have all. a great have a great afternoon. Thank you, man. You take care. Awesome. Ciao. Bye. You can follow us on all major podcast outlets at Music Matters with Daryl Craig Harris. Thanks for joining us and catch you next time.